The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. For hour two of WTJX Analyze this 93.1. Um, it's Monday. It is the day after our carnival break. And I am Summer Sibley Brown filling in for the Neville James this morning. Um, in our first hour, we had Superintendent um, Siamara Erisilda Siamara Atley Herman. I know her whole government name um, sitting down. We were talking about our own kind of the district's version in the last round of what the A-list is when we were talking about academic achievement and accelerating learning. And we had a beautiful conversation about festival and what a future, future focus FETTER is, why that is important um, for students to be co-authors of their own journey and really be inspired to go along the pathways and trajectories that get them where they want to be and how that fills roles in our community. Um, we talked about costumes being geometry, right? And kind of using the joy of math to, to f the, the joy of math to combat the fear of mathematics um, or some of the negative connotations and why reveling in reading is important, why interest-based and technical reading and increased comprehension really um, moves forward. And what I heard is that it starts with helping that student be inspired to be an excited and joyful learner. And that's how we're going to fill some of our achievement gaps. Um, and we even talked a little bit about why assessment not testing um, matters and the ways it comes across as, you know, she used the word diagnosis and summative. Big language from the Department of Education, but really setting setting us up to understand some of the 2023 goals, high level, um, that we could be looking forward to. Um, as we wait for our next guest, um, which is Mr. Kemet Aman-Lewis, I am Again, welcoming everyone to settle in. For those of you who may know Kemet or may not know Kemet, um, in 2019, Kemet, um, Kemet Amon Lewis, he survived a near-death experience following a rare bacterial infection, and it left him with several amputations. Um, it left him you know, learning to do a lot again, um, and he continues to personally personally inspire me um and he personally inspires lots and lots and lots of people he he is the epitome of a joyful determined spirit and he's going to be joining us to share some of his journey and he's also going to talk about his role his life right like where we are now um not just um with learning about you know being an amputee learning how to use like the awesome prosthetics because um last night i was like i saw him last night i was like oh my god this does remind me of black panther right um it was like his prosthetic was like glittering at night i was like that doesn't happen like what is this shimmery thing you have on um and but the work that he's doing in environment because he's he's kept we all know Kemet is a, um, I want to say, globally renowned marine biologist. Um, 
he's a marine scientist and he's been working um, on ocean environments all over the world for for as long as I've known him and we're going to talk about what role what role he's playing in that now still um, and where he sees himself in 2023 and hopefully we have some listeners out there who are truly going to be joyful um, to just like hear from Kemet um, and like to hear more of this this conversation. And for this round, if you'd like to join us and have a conversation or have a comment for Kemet, I'm going to put the number out there. Um, you can call us at 340-718-4555 or 340-718-0761. And I got to tune in because I also, I didn't see him for myself, but I heard that Mr. Lewis went chipping down the road. So I want to talk to him a little bit. I think because it's the day after festival, we should start with a chip because I ain't make it down the road, but Kemet come from where he come from to make it down the road, to chip down the road. So I think that's going to be our first conversation is what his participation in festival um, 2022, 2023 was like, and he's wearing one of my favorite shirts as the, the, the beard gang, um, enters the studio as the beard gang enters the studio. Um, we're going to talk about hashtag Kemet strong. Um, good morning, Mr. Lewis. Um, I don't know if I could hear him on the mic clear. All right. So Kemet. Talk to me Some about, of. yes, talk to me about festival because I hear you was chipping down the road. I didn't see you with these two eyes, but I hear you had the chip. Um, of course. I mean, it's festival. <laughs> <laughs> who are you to do besides chip down the road? <laughs> so who, who, who did you, who did you, Mr. Lewis, who did you go so, down the um, road with? I, of course, we're speaking to my friends, um, Deshana and Wayne Biggs with Gentleman of Jones and... Um, from the moment I heard that they were doing a tribute to the first responders, I was like, I'm in. Mm. Um, I knew I was coming down here on the Friday, the day before the adults parade. Um, I wish I was here earlier because I missed Cruz Enrique again. I missed Juve, but I did get to chip down the road with Gentleman of Jones, and that was amazing. So uh, I joined them, like I said, because I knew what the, um, the theme was this year, and in tribute to Dr. Tasman Khan, who was the one that really kept me here, mm -hmm. allowed me to be here to chip down the street. Um, yeah, I was Dr. Khan in the, in the road. Saturday. So, you know, life is, um, life is a beautiful and amazing, an amazing exercise sometimes. And it's, it's a roller coaster. And in 2019, right, like you said, there, there was a need for a doctor to keep you here. Right. right. Um, and I'm so grateful you're here. Right. For those of you who don't know, Kemet, well, you might know, Kemet is my dog for life. So I really, really mean it. That's not just radio talk. Like, I'm grateful to have him here. I'm super, super grateful to have you here. And um, one of the things that we talk about, and I, and I mentioned on air, is your determination, right? right? And so for the listening audience, I just want to ask a question. I feel like I have a little bit of insight, but like life with prosthetics, amazing prosthetics, but like life with prosthetics, what has that been like? Oh yeah, like can you hear it? He just put his hand up, right, so you could hear them. The, yes, yeah. talk about it. Um, so it's been a process. Um, 
You know, insurance companies are insurance companies. And for a long time, it was a, a battle because they didn't consider hands a medical necessity. Um, yes, somebody typed on their computer with their hands to tell me that they're not considered a medical necessity and so they weren't going to cover it. So went through all these appeal processes and eventually an insurance company still would not um, support coverage of the hands. We eventually learned about vocational rehab, which is a federal um, program that's designated to help people with disabilities get back to work and provide them with the tools that they need to be successful at work. And so... We had to convince them also that hands are in fact a medical necessity because they were originally denied. But we built a case um, and because of my being a marine scientist, I was able to get a leg for diving. Uh, and because of my needs to, as somebody that was working remotely and always on the computer, we were able to successfully defend the fact that hands are in fact for me a medical necessity. Um, and so here we are. So, no, I want to... I want to, I want to go back um, because even even in our personal lives, when we first discussed that hands weren't a medical necessity, I was kind of like flabbergasted, like what, what, what? Mm -hmm. um, so, just to give people context, so a basic um, amputee, a person who needs their um, limbs and arms replaced, they just get like a holder. It's uh, so there are a few hooks that are. Um, given to individuals the easiest one is a body powered hook and it is you know if i want to be a pirate for halloween every year the hook works um but if i want to not be a pirate every day of my life then you know something different is needed but the the body powered hook uh, is the the simplest and the first thing that they give out and essentially it's um you have a socket that the arm or the residual limb goes into um it's it's tethered to a pulley that's connected to your opposite shoulder. Mm -hmm. And as you stretch your hand forward, it'll open the hook. And if you mm -hmm. relax it, it'll close the hook. So you can grip stuff, but that's all that you can do. You have to physically move your arm to open and close it. Um, beyond that, there's an electronic hook. It's called an ETD2, um, was the one that I have. And I still have it now. Um, I use that for like tying my shoes and you know all the other difficult things to do. The hand is really cool. Um, the technology is called my, myoelectric. Um, and so there are sensors that sit on my skin and I can, I can tell it when to open and close. Um, I say, hey Siri, open hand and it opens magic. No, it doesn't. Oh, <laughs> you should see my face. If this was a podcast right now in your life, you should see my face. My eyes open, my mouth drops. I was like, really? Like you could just, <laughs> Kevin, man, stop playing. No, but, but I tell it when to open and close and, um, and I go through a different a series of grip patterns. I have right now five different grip patterns set on it. Um, it's a key holder. Um, I can do a pointer. I can do the tripod, which mm -hmm. I use to hold beverages, um, non-alcoholic beverages. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Um, and he just come down in a parade. And to with gentlemen of Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and I use a tripod to sign also. And then I have a power grip, which I can use to like hold um, heavy items and, you know, to give daps because brother man from St. Croix. And yeah, I'm so the dap, is a, the dap is an important feature that the hook couldn't really do. So exactly. I hope that was a part of the exactly. case. And, and, you know, I think there's something to be said about not only the necessity part, but just the for mental wellness for just pride you know there's a completely different thing handing somebody a hook to shake their hand and as opposed to handing them what my friends call the skywalker 
to yeah. shake their hands because it's a completely different thing. Well, I hope, right? Because you said you, you know, you said you had to kind of develop a case um, mm-hmm. for this this benefit to be afforded to you. And so I'm grateful that you had the support and the help and the tenacity, right? Even in like adjusting to all the things that are new, right? Mm-hmm. And all the new learning you had to do and all your own social emotional management right. that you and your family had the tenacity to be in a place to build a case for support mm-hmm. for you to reclaim really important portions of your life. Right. Right. That would like lend to just every human being. Right. Having a sense of normalcy after having something, whether you're you're a soldier, um, no matter how this happens, right? Mm-hmm. I can't imagine hands not being a necessity. Right. And you know if um there, it's it's been a lot, but you know our big thing, um, or my big thing with the last case was that I I won't get back to one hundred percent, but allow me to get back to as close to one hundred percent as I can with the tools that exist today. The feel is amazing right now. The hand that I have right now is is Covey, who's a manufacturer, the company that makes it, and they had launched right before COVID and because the name is COVID, they decided to keep it quiet for a little bit. But um, one of the cool features about this hand that some of the other myelectric hands don't have is the ability to use the fingertips on my touchscreen. So I can open my phone, I can type on the computer, I can navigate my iPad. Um, the four point design that I have on the left hand also has the same capabilities. And so I, I can like scroll through my phone, I can, you know, I. I don't have to try to figure things out in weird ways because these tools actually are high tech enough that I can I can navigate that. And there's some that are even more. Uh, there's new technology where um, you can surgically implant sensors into the patient's uh, residual limb. Um, so in my case, where I lost fingers on the left hand, but I still have my palm, they could insert um, or surgically implant these sensors. On, and connect them to the different nerves so that I could navigate each finger independently of each other, just as you would do right now. Um, and so there, the technology is growing. There's a lot of things that are out there now. And, you know, I think it's, it's only fair for individuals that have gone through the trauma of um, unwillingly losing limbs that, you know, you provide the tools necessary for them to, um, to function most importantly, and to feel good about themselves also. Well, I hope you feel good because you sure do look good. Um, And one of the things that always makes me happy to see Kevin is his beard, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's better, it's full, it's bushy, it's nice, it accentuates... It's it's great, but you know that's 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 the process. Wisdom. It, it is it is wisdom, and In I'm old age. you know like if 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 it graying is is the privilege of you being here, like I want to see it until it all and gray right. is actually what I what I will look forward to seeing it, and with the best hand technology possible. And so, if you're out there and you don't know anything about these things. Please begin to look into it because what I have learned is in life, anything is possible, right? And knowledge is power and information helps us navigate it for ourselves and also to adjust. Kevin, one of the things I want to talk to you is about what have you been up to? So outside of adjusting um, to, to your 
high-end prosthetics now. Um, you said you have a dive leg, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, some people may be a chemist or still dive. And I think that's something to highlight, like, your quality of life. Share with us, what are you doing? Um, yeah, it's, I think it's what am I not doing okay. <laughs> at a period of time. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, and, I, you know, I was talking to uh, a good friend on the way here, and I think a big part of... Um, of me navigating this, this new chapter of my life is the fact that I was super active before. Um, I was never basic and I always did. Uh, and, you know, whether it's diving or playing tennis, you know, I was on a tennis court yesterday after chipping down the street um, Saturday. So, you know, all of the, the 30 plus people on Facebook talking about how they mash up and the knees don't work and all that stuff. I was like, okay, well, that's good for you. But I was back on the tennis court yesterday. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of, a lot of, you know, continuing to do all the things that I love to do. Um, cooking not as much as I've I've been um, over the last two years or so, but I still love to be in the kitchen and cook. Um, playing pickleball just about every day. It's old man's tennis for those of you that don't know about it. It's <laughs> taken, it's 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 blown up crazy. Like Tom Brady has a team now with Kim Kleist. It's a former professional um, tennis player, multiple Grand Slam winner. Um, a lot of the professional tennis players are picking up pickleball. Um, and, you know, for me, it was uh, use, use the sport because it's a smaller court and a wiffle ball and a, a paddle um, to get back to running on the, the blade because I do have a blade that's just for running. So on this trip, I have my the leg for walking on um, that I wore today. I have one for running um, and then I have the one for diving. And... Um, yeah, I've, I've gone diving in the Bahamas. I'm working with the Perry Institute for Marine Science now. Um, we're an organization that's focused on marine conservation issues, mostly in the Bahamas and across the Caribbean. And so I've been fortunate enough to go diving in the Bahamas again um, at the same places where I've, I've been diving for many years, working with the Nature Conservancy and diving in Florida also. Like I said, pickleball, most of the days uh, I play it tennis clinics two or three times a week and you know just trying to just try to live trying to live my live my best life so when we come back from break um i want to talk to you a little bit about the perry institute and your work there if you are just tuning in this is summer sibley brown talking to kemet amon lewis i'm filling in for neville james this is wtjx 93.1 your npr station in the vi see you when we get back for your business. At Bank of St. Croix, our mobile apps provide access to business accounts on the go and our merchant card services accept credit and debit payments anywhere, anytime. Plus, the online banking platform means your bank is always open. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallows Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. BankofStCroix.com 
Hi, I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! Democracy Now! features ideas and voices from some of the best minds of this generation and previous ones, including activists, muckrakers, visionaries, artists, risk takers, academics, and just folks, as in the most just folks who share a commitment to truth, democracy, justice, diversity, equality, and peace. Catch Democracy Now! at his new time, weekdays at 10 a.m. here on WTJX FM 93.1. Listening to the wings of a monarch butterfly, what a magical thought. They arrive here on the Day of the Dead, which we celebrate here in Mexico, and a lot of the indigenous people believe that it's the souls of their ancestors that are returning, you know? and it's very spiritual. That's On Point with me, Meghna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. Great question. That is a great question. And that's a great question. Wow, that's another great question. That's uh that's a great question. Oh, that's a great <laughs> that's a great question. That is a great question. What a great question. On fresh air, you'll hear unexpected questions and unexpected answers. Weekdays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. are back this is the second half of the second hour on the first day back after festival um and if you're just tuning in first hour we talked academics we talked education we talked a little bit about festival and i'm in studio now with the kemet aman lewis and we're t- we, you know we're talking about him actually highlighting hashtag kemet strong um we talked in the first round a little bit about adjusting to life with prosthetics and hands being a necessity that sometimes when it comes to insurance companies we got to fight for mm-hmm. um but in that we were victorious um and we got really cool hands and um we rounded the conversation talking about where are you working now and you said it was the perry institute for marine science perry institute for marine science and so um i i want to share with our listening audience more about what you're doing because climate action is real environment is real happy that you're still in your passion for marine science happy that you're diving and just wanting to hear um how your work shows up now right so it's it's a beautiful organization it's a a smaller um non-governmental organization that's focused like i said on marine conservation issues uh mostly in the bahamas and around the the rest of the caribbean so we've we just branched out and um, we're starting to do work in colombia um one of our um, team members our, our lead for coral conservation work is from Colombia originally. Um, Dr. Valeria Pizarro, she has a PhD in the field. Um, Dr. Krista Sherman is our lead for fishery scientists. She's from the Bahamas. Um, Dr. Carlisa Cowood is our lead for community education and outreach work and all, all of our social science work. And her family is actually from St. Thomas. Really? In the USVI. Um, and so I say all that to say, that we have a really cool group of scientists, mostly brilliant women from the Caribbean that are doing really good work. Um, Perry Institute does everything from coral reef conservation work 
we've launched a reef rescue network in the Bahamas where we partner with a number of, of dive um, dive shops and resorts to build their own nurseries, manage them and, and help upline corals in, um, in their surrounding areas. So we have a network of over 30 shops um, and we've branched out into St. Lucia and to Aruba also. We've done a lot of mangrove restoration work after um, Hurricane Dorian um, destroyed Grand Bahama and Abaco. And we continue to do that work. We're using um, high tech uh, drone imagery work to identify where the areas that are, that are in need of restoration are located. And then following that up with the actual restoration work. And we're working with a number of partners throughout the, the Bahamas to make that happen. Um, we're using um, photogrammetry work to map these coral reefs. And so you can go in with a camera, not just simple camera, but you can go in with an, a really nice camera and take thousands of images of one reef track as, as if, you know, a lawnmower going across the mm -hmm. lawn. And there's software that will stitch all of those images. They'll find the overlapping spaces, stitch all of that together, and you can create a 3D model of the reef. Mm. And it's worked great for us for not only monitoring, um, so we, we can do a f um, an image of the reef before we outplant corals, to remove corals from the nursery to the reef. And we can take images at intervals after that, so either six months or one year after that, and and really get a sense for how the reef has changed in structure and whatnot. And that tool in and of itself has been great for policymakers because we always talk to you know, we, we are the scientists, we do the work to promote conservation work, but it's the politicians that will make the decisions to change behavior and change everyday practices that allow for, for um, habitats for systems to recover. Uh, I think we've done a lot as human beings to create the damage that exists in mm. the ocean and our reefs today. And so it's only fair and it's fitting that we're the ones to create remedy and create solutions. Uh, and as much as we talked about how the field for prosthetics has grown and how their new advancements and whatnot, it's the same reality with the, the conservation field. There are lots of techniques. We have troubleshooted a lot of the issues, um, a lot of the techniques that will allow corals to come back, allow mangroves to come back, allow seagrass beds to come back, and allow fisheries to be conserved, that we can, we really need to just get the political will to enable all those things to move forward. Um, and so that's what we've been a part of for over 50 years uh, in the Bahamas. We celebrated our 50th anniversary two years ago. Mm. And, you know, we're moving forward. In my current role, I'm the development director. So what I'm doing right now today is what I normally do, tell the stories about how we do and, and what we do and um, how great the work is because a lot of people just aren't, aren't familiar with it. And so we try our best. So I wanted to ask a really basic question, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, I think you said a really important mouthful. <laughs> um, but for our listeners um, who are even new to understanding what happens beneath the ocean, mm -hmm. why is coral restoration important? Um, so from where we're at, you, we can look outside and see the Long Reef outside of the Christiansted Harbor. Mm -hmm. And... So it, it's reefs are important for a number of different 
reasons. If we just look at Long Reef, it's buffering a lot of the wave energy that's coming into the Christiansted Harbor and allow for gentler waves to come in. So the sailboats that are anchored there, they can do that. They can moor there because they aren't heavy waves as you would find outside of the reef. Um, the reefs are also an important developmental habitat or an important place for fish to live, essentially. And so um, usually you have in Caribbean islands, you have mangroves that are on the shoreline and then you have reefs offshore and you have deep water. And for things like snapper that are commercially important, uh, people love to eat. They usually are hatched in mangroves. Mm-hmm. They, you know, at an inch long, will swim out to the reef and grow there. They have um, protection from larger fish. They can go into any of the reef crevices. Um, they have smaller things to eat that they can feed on there. And then as they grow up, they go into deeper waters. And so the reefs provide that important middle ground for the fish to develop and be big enough to avoid predators when they go into deep waters. Um, Recently, there have also been a lot of uh, advancements in the um, medicinal field with chemicals found in sea sponges and corals and, and other things found on that reef track. So there are, again, a number of reasons why you know the fish that you eat um, depend on coral reefs, the protection from, our, from wave energy and from hurricanes that we get on shore comes from coral reefs. The tourism value is pretty big. Um, mm-hmm. There are many people, even if you don't swim or snorkel here, there are many people that will travel to St. Croix to snorkel and swim in our ocean. And it's, again, because of coral reefs. Um, and, you know, the, the Caribbean without coral reefs become a completely different place, um, which I hope to never see in my lifetime. And that's a big part of why I've been focused. Um, you know, I always thought... As a young kid, I was going to study marine science and study dolphins and we just swim and play and, <laughs> you know, teach the dolphin tricks and all that good stuff. Um, and then, you know, the minute I started um, graduate school and learned about all the myriad of issues that are facing the ocean. And I, I reiterate that we have created as human beings. Um, I've completely shifted not that I dislike dolphins, but I've shifted uh, my efforts to be focused on the things that need our conservation. So sea turtles originally and now um, fisheries, corals and those habitats. So I think what you just said ties in um, really well with our previous guest. Um, Superintendent Herman mm-hmm. was basically talking about the role that educators and adults have in co-authoring students' journeys, right? And that those journeys should be interest-based. Right. So. When you were younger, just, you know, as a tieback, it was dolphins. Mm-hmm. But being able to pursue the interest in dolphins led you to being um, a marine scientist. And you kind of, you're talking about knowing this at a pretty early age. What you didn't understand is how the application would develop right. into more than dolphins and turtles, which he still likes, right? right? And you still want to swim with him. Um, and he has, probably. Yep. Yeah, he, he has. Dolphins, sharks. Um, but it has expanded to a different application, right. um, which is now critical problem solving mm-hmm. for 
for all of us because what Kevin is talking about, and I looked it up on my phone, right? There's actually a term for our impact and it's called Anthropocene, yep. right? And it is relating to or denoting the current geological age viewed as the period during which hum- human activity has been the dominant influence on climate and environment, right? right? And this is this is this is a we were talking about A's earlier, right? Um, she was talking about academics and acceleration, but something we need to be aware of is the Anthropocene. What our impact and how our activity is forwarding um, climate change or stopping it, right. right? Like how are we being the answer to a problem in which we created? And so what you're talking about at the Perry Institute is exploring some of those answers and using really great technology. I want to highlight for our listening audience, Kemet said the coral reefs are important because we don't eat. Some of us love a good snapper. So it's for food. It's habitat. It's, you said developmental habitat. Um, and I was like, yes. That's where they grow up. That's where they grow up. Um, you know, and so our kids are home today. So parents, if you have, if you're listening to us and you're, you know, you're seven, eight, 12 year old right have them look up developmental habitats right because this is how we build interest this is how we connect the learning and then he talked about the economic pillar of tourism so for us here as we talk about how we make money and we sell ourselves as one of the best places to eat live and play part of our play is that outdoor environment part Mm -hmm. of that play is attracting right people who go all over the world to dive and compare dive spots and find joy in it and so i get it right this is a these this is it's good for the environment and you talked about that being able to capture that wave energy and i can't imagine what our shores would look like if it didn't have a buffer especially when there's hurricanes yep right we don't realize the blow the coral and the mangroves take mm-hmm. when we have extreme extreme energy, severe weather um, to, to buffer and protect our shorelines. Um, because so much, of, like, I went, to the, I went west after the hurricane and so much of the sand was displaced. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if there was nothing um, to buffer that? Right. What would really happen? And I had never really thought about that since this conversation. <laughs> so anyway, you said something else I want to dive into. You said a big word with photo... Grammatry. Let me see if I can say it photogrammetry ding, ding, ding. yay i got it um and when we talk about the role technology is now playing in in, mm-hmm. in conservation um specifically in marine science i think we have an opportunity here in the virgin islands um because we're surrounded by water mm-hmm. so we're like a great place to pilot technology do you right. think we're using photogrammetry here yet and what would it take to bring it here there's been uh, a number of interests from the my, my former colleagues at the Nature Conservancy um, to do a lot of that work here. Um, Steve Schill, it's a, the um, senior scientist. We were on the same um, regional science team together. And um, our science technician, Will Green, who does this work in the Bahamas, just came back from the Cayman Islands from teaching a workshop on it, um, has been in, in a number of workshops with Steve Schill. And they're there, there is some plans to do that work here, which is great. Um, we've also talked about some other projects that we can develop with younger students to get them interested in the work. Um, that's one of the things that I've been really focused on is, you know, how do we get beyond the Samuel Gittins and Nicholas um, that, that, yeah, that have gone through <laughs> programs with us to 
get interested enough into marine science that they now both have bachelor degrees in marine biology from UVI right here in St. Thomas. Um, how do we get younger students interested in in the field? And and to your point, how do we expose them to the the issues that exist so that they can develop their passion for the marine sciences with that that in mind? Um, and you know not be maybe as naive as I was as a younger kid. And, and really it came about because I was snorkeling at Dorsch Beach and dolphins swam by and I was like, okay, that's it. This is what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, how do we foster that? But that's pretty exciting, even though um, it may seem, you know, naivete of youth, right? Um, how one incident mm-hmm. in, and I guess today is all about that, right? The one moment mm-hmm. that, plants a seed or creates a change that fosters something that Kemet had to apply a little bit of determination to. Yep. Um, so when, you know, when, when we think about who you are as a person, um, determination seems to be, seems to be, seems to be key because, you know, you see that dolphin, how old you was? Eight, 10? M- maybe, maybe eight. Maybe eight, right? <laughs> um, and lots of years later, this is this is where you are and so there's something to say about your focus um and your your adaptability Mm -hmm. to be able to achieve the thing that you want to achieve and in this case in your personal case it's your quality of life maintaining as much of it as you can and you're you know like so when we talk about how we get to the places and i want to lift this up as a community right we're talking to kemet we're talking about life and marine science how do we lift that, that level of determination up as a community to kind of focus on our goals mm-hmm. and achieve them? And you mentioned policy, right? right? You said applied science to policy. And so thinking of, I would love to hear some of the policies that you are, um, or issues, better yet, that you feel like should be addressed and not just locally, but nationally about water and our use and conservation. Right, and so... so- backtrack the one of the coolest things that I did while I worked at the Department of Planning and Natural Resources was to um, be in the group that helped the commissioner pass the ban on gill and trommel nets that were just just awful um, and in fact after about a year or so after the ban we found a ghost net there's a net set overnight and you know, it was just left out at sea that had a dead turtle in it um, a number of, of um you know, juvenile sharks and other species that were not commercially important, that were not being fished, and that was is considered bycatch. So anything that the fishers aren't trying to bring in the parfish, the jacks, the snapper, grunts, etc. Everything else is considered bycatch, and it, it's not. There's nothing that they will sell, and so that's that's what we found that net. Um, and so that was a big win for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was circa 2008, maybe. <laughs> Um, and there's a lot of, of needs that we have now. Most of it revolve around climate change and climate issues. I think the Biden administration has done a great, um, has done a great job in, in promoting um, alternative energies. And, and I think we have the perfect place here to create pilots, as you were mentioning earlier, to create the pilot for how this could work especially in an island that has all these issues with, I won't call the name because power might go out right now, but we, we know that we have issues and there are ways to solve it. And I think the more that we can develop those policies, we can get there. So when we come back from break, we're going to wrap up. Um-
If you graduated from high school in the U.S. Virgin Islands, don't be stuck with college debt. Create your future for free with Free Tuition Plus at UVI. With Free Tuition Plus, your tuition is covered. Plus, you can use additional financial aid to pay for room and board and other expenses. At the University of the Virgin Islands, you'll receive a world-class education with opportunities to study abroad and gain hands-on experience. Choose from 99 majors, minors, and certificates on campus and online. Visit www.uvi.edu and apply today. The BBC World Service. What's going on here? We get to the heart of global issues. Stories we think matter from around the world. Everything was there in a way that I'd never heard before. Discussing the very best in global arts and culture. What has been happening on the financial markets today. Storytelling is something we absolutely love. Everyone's voice is so unique. Wow. It's a celebration. The BBC World Service. From 3 to 6 a.m. here on WTJX FM 93.1. Your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Funding for the BBC World Service comes from First Bank. First Bank's digital bank offers check deposits, bill pay, transfers, and more from anywhere 24-7. More at onefirstbank.com. Your family is your legacy. Planning for a natural disaster will make sure you're all safe. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan today for the tools and tips you need to protect that legacy. That's ready.gov forward slash plan. A message brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. I'm Scott Tong from Public Radio's Midday News Magazine Here and Now. We bring you all the news that happens between the morning headlines and the afternoon wrap-up. Plus, conversations with authors and artists, stories that affect you, maybe a story about you. So join us for NPR's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1. This is Summer Sibley Brown filling in for Neville James. This is WTJX FM 93.1. And in our second hour, we are talking with the Kemet Aman Lewis. <laughs> no, like in the past year, um, Kemet, you've been featured in a lot of articles. Um, honored by the legislature. Mm-hmm. Honored by the legislature. I remember that. So I want to talk about that. But before I talk about that, I want to bring us back <clears throat> in before break. We're talking about um, the role coral reefs play mm-hmm. in many places, right? In um, food production, in hurricane safety, and even in tourism. right? So I just want to kind of round right. out, pull, pull that conversation yeah. back. Right. So, yeah, I had a quick note on that. Um, so um, the big part of why I'm here this week is because I turned 40 on Thursday um, and you know one of the, as we were talking about the reefs and diving and whatnot I had initially planned that I would spend my 40th birthday in the Galapagos because mm. that's been on my bucket list since I was a kid Egypt was on it took care of that Galapagos is, is what's next um, but for a number of reasons including the fact that I'm going diving tomorrow with a bunch of my dive friends um, to celebrate my birthday, um, there are a number of reasons why St. Croix made a lot of sense. Um, I'm here with, with my friends and family back home. Um, I get to dive. I get to play tennis. I get um, my chef friends that know exactly what I love to eat. Um, I got to chip down the street <laughs> yeah. Saturday. 
And so there are a number of reasons that, you know, again, St. Croix, um, you know, just saying all that St. Croix is, you know, of, of all the places that I could think to be of to celebrate my 40th birthday, St. Croix was a no-brainer. And um, so I think tourism should package that um, and, and you know, use it as much as they can because, again, you know, and people talk about, you know, some of the other islands in the Caribbean. Um, I, I, I have yet to be to another island that matches St. Croix when it comes to the culinary scene. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a couple that will be on the same level when it comes to the diving, but none has um, provides you with the opportunity to walk in from shore, not get on a boat and go miles offshore, but just walk in from shore and dive the wall that exists nowhere else. Um, and so I think there are a lot of unique characteristics about St. Croix. The fact that we create these celebrations for us and then invite people to enjoy it, like a festival that just happened, for example. Um, it's not marketed for, you know, tourism might be marketed it for tourism, yes, but, you know, for it's always been for us. And, you know, the Stanley Tramp, I've been out and seeing tourists at night tramping up to the shangs and, you know, having breakfast and whatnot. And, you know, that's just something that's beautiful about St. Croix that, that we open our doors for, for people and our tourism product to me is a lot better than many because of that um, fact. So I really hope someone from the Department of Tourism is listening. And again, I keep telling people there's a podcast, people. You can listen to us after the show. Please forgive me for hour one today. I was in a rush day after festival. Thanks, Department of Tourism. Um, But one of the things that I hear you saying, um, which I know is mutually important, um, it's it's something that we share, right? And it's centering us first. Mm -hmm. Um, I think before the pandemic we had just launched a vibe like no other um that tourism campaign and that tourism campaign really um kind of like reached out and grabbed me because i do think the virgin islands and st croix in particular is a vibe like no other and um as we get back into a outside market and we are attracting more people here and we seek to build the pillars um, of diversity with tourism, which has been a staple. How do we do that and remain authentically um, St. Croix? Mm-hmm. How do we increase cruise ship numbers here and preserve our environment and preserve the quality of experience, right? When you are talking, I was like, basically you said you came home. This is this is why I deduced. You came home because it made sense, right? right? For the things that you were looking to do, love, and enjoy about having your 40th year of life, like St. Croix made sense. It was all available right here. And so how do we bring back, how do we make it make sense to other Virgin Islanders and their family that not only like that St. Croix remains, if they choose to live away, St. Croix remains their primary vacation spot because they come home to the food they love, the beaches they love, the people they love, the culture they love. How do we make this Virgin Islanders retirement homes? Like Mm -hmm. when, when we have Virgin Islanders excelling in the states that you know that st croix is their forever home Mm -hmm. because they own a piece of property here and they have a house and they may be doing things in the states to build a living but in their head they they want to transition here Mm -hmm. um that's like 
that's that's for me that's the goal that's the dream to yep. make the virgin islands make sense to virgin islanders first and to everybody else second and if we could harness that battle it sell it um yeah i think i mean i think about like fiji right mm -hmm. i think about the most expensive uh, most illustrious place that a person could go on a vacation and um, it's because of how truly for the people mm -hmm. it is. They have preserved their culture, mm -hmm. their foodways, their ocean. Like, they're pristine still in that regard. Yeah. Like, how do we stay as close to pristine as possible, I guess, is the question. And guava tart. Oh, Because I do have a, a Christian baker about two blocks away from me in Florida that makes really amazing guava tarts, but guava tarts. Don't do that. Don't get WTJX in the, in the tart wars. You yeah, had to mention guava late. tart this morning. But Festival season, he was like, and guava tart. Listen, pineapple tart, coconut tart, listeners. I, am an, I don't, this might be even worse than me saying guava tart. I don't eat tart. So like the tart conversation, I don't know what Kemet is doing. I just, yeah, just you know, I'm not botting. Guava tart. I didn't mention any of the others. Thanks, Summer. But, you know, guava tart. Well, I just want to be an equal opportunity. That's cute. Tart radio person. Mm -hmm. Like, if we're going to bring up the tarts, right? <laughs> after festival, like, we should talk about all of them. Yeah. Although, I guess we all know what team Kemet is on. President Look, and CEO. <laughs> not president and CEO of the Guava Tart <laughs> fan club. Hashtag Kemet. That's... <laughs> um, my middle name. Kemet Guava. <laughs> Right, um, guava, guava tart for the win, I guess. His birthday is coming up, people. Let's just give it to him. Let's right. just be like, you. guava tart, mm -hmm. it's your 40th present. We're giving it to I you. I appreciate you. Um, if what is your you so you brought up your birthday, what is your greatest hope, right, or wish, um, as you turn 40 with your determination and focus? So, this is, um, there's a lot that I'm I've started to do, and I hope to continue to do this year um, and throughout the year. So the president company that I, I work with, um, or that, that I am with, um, the guys that build my legs for for walking, running, diving, um, that build my, my electric hand, that have been building um, things for me to play both pickleball and tennis and adjusting them as I test them because I've, I've been their prototype I guess I've I've been the first that have um, that they've created these um, devices for, and every time there's a, a damage to it or a, a fail, we reconvene and um, and develop it a little bit more. Um, they've recently invited me to be a peer mentor um, with them, and so I've been um, in a number of instances going into either um, the hospitals to talk to individuals before they become an amputee. Or talking to individuals after um, I just had the uh, I was just fortunate to speak to uh, a young ten-year-old um, boy from North Carolina that lost um, his leg from a shark attack in the Keys, um, and was able to talk him through a lot of the the things that I learned about you know what I needed to do to take care of my residual limb and get it strong enough to be able to make your first steps on a leg and what you can expect with the, you know, being active and the different types of tools available to you and, um, 
And it was good for him and his family to be able to just ask questions and, and have me answer it. And so I, I hope to continue to do a lot of that because, again, there was a lot of work that I did to figure out the way that I needed to advocate for myself to get the tools that I need. And as much as I can help others do that, then um, it'll make for a good year for me. Um, the other thing that's super cool is I received a call from Wilson Tennis a few weeks ago. <laughs> and I actually, when I, when I get back to Florida on the 24th, I'll fly up to Chicago to meet with them at their headquarters to talk through with their engineer how we can improve the tennis racket and the pickleball pedal that I have. Um, the one tennis racket, for example, that the Prestetico Mini guys um, fixed for me broke yesterday. Um, I was hitting tons of winners on Kevin Mota. And, um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, had him running from side to side. He was out of breath. And Kevin, I hope you're listening because you got a game yeah. on a tennis court today. <laughs> I felt bad because he just strung the racket for me and given it back to me and then I was beating up on him. Um, there's video out there, folks. Um, <laughs> But, um, but yeah, I'm excited to talk to the engineer at Wilson Tennis when I get back to, because this is the second time the tennis racket has broken. And I think part of the issue is that it's just, you know, it's, it's not made to be gutted out and retrofitted to be on a prosthetic arm. And so I, you know, I'm in, very interested in talking to them about how we can improve upon both the paddle for pickleball and the tennis racket so that it, it doesn't fail and it allows me to, like I said, live my best life. Um, and then the next conversations will be with their marketing and, and research and development crews so that we could de determine what the f our future relationship is going to look like, which should be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what's next on the radar. I, I mean, so I hope if you're listening carefully, not only in 2023 will Kemet be a mentor um, to other people who are now starting this journey um, to help them adjust. Kemet's also being a lead prototyper for just a little company called Wilson. Yeah. Just just, just a little one. Yeah. Um, if you don't know who Wilson Tennis is, then you never play tennis, right? So I'm, again, just another example of one, your determination and two, right, Virgin Islanders really leading, being seen, and putting mm -hmm. putting things and work in not just to benefit here, but to benefit um, the world over, right? right? Because people, you know, other amputees who were tennis players before, this this is this is this is game changing to, right. to have retrofitted appropriate equipment for them to engage in high quality of life stuff like right. I'm super, super, super proud. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Um, to be doing cool. both of those things. I don't know which one I'm impressed with more. The mentoring. <laughs> I mean, the mentoring, because, you know, it's a human-to-human -human one. But, you know, Wilson Tennis, wow. That's, yeah, it's kind of cool. And the fact that you, that man said he had the tennis court light up. I want you to know, if you are in Florida and you chilling with Kemet, he is the reigning, like, pickleball king. <laughs> Me and Kemet walking down the street, and, like, random people were just like, hey, great game on the pickleball court. Oh, I remember you from the pickleball court. Oh, so whatever it is, he dean up there in pickleball. I could see, like, it was just like, I was like, how do you know so many people? He like, hmm, pickleball. Yep. And apparently he he's he's killing the game. He's like beating all of them on the court. So he was like, yeah, yesterday I just, you know, three games, win all three. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's bittersweet. I lost some friends that, you know, that <laughs> wanted to play singles and I beat them. But, you know, it, it is what it is, you know. 
It is what it I'm, I'm is. I'm sorry, I apologize. Don't apologize. Don't don't apologize for living your best life. And um, you know, me and Kevin have this joke between us because I'd always be like, you know, as an amputee, you can't really be moving down the road faster than your friend, <laughs> right? And so during COVID, we were like, how is this gonna work out? Because every time I would speak to him, it would be um, yeah, hey, walk into the park, um, or going to play pickleball, or you know, you know, like really. And I say that to say truly taking up that quality of life and right. like you're an extremely physical person and I am so happy you get all of your physicality back mm-hmm. you just said a 10 year old boy lost his leg because of a shark mm-hmm. attack and I think a lot of times we don't realize that these things life has this very random way of right. happening right. Um, to all of us um, and it's really not about age, race, color What it's not about what's fair right um, it's not about what we planned for. Mm-hmm. It's not about what the person did or didn't do right. to get them in a situation. Life could literally just happen. Right. And um, Kemet, one of the things I would like to ask is how you have remained constantly joyful. I have one minute. So how do you hold on to that? I want to end with how do you hold on to your joy? Well, my mom's name is Joy, so probably have a big chunk to do with it but I think like I said from the beginning I did so much you know it was either tennis or Caribbean dance or um, you know work or diving for fun or doing stuff with the family I owned a truck so I you know I ended up being the go-to guy for a lot of things and um, without that that last joke it I think it's it's just been how I was raised and who I am um, the circle that of uh, family that I have my biological family the built family that I have, you, Charisma, Frank, Nadia, Christiana, Jendai, the entire crew. Um, it's, you know, I've had like genuinely good people around me um, from day one. Um, like I said, from my biological family to my built family. And um, there's a lot of people that inspire me from the things that people do, like starting Good Food Coalition and <laughs> stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, I'm here, I'm alive and ready to turn 40. Happy birthday, Kemet. And for the listening audience, here's to a joyous, determined 2023. Um, Do something to spread some joy to your biological and built family today. This was WTJX 93.1. Analyze this. I'm Summer Sibley Brown, and I am out. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. You know exactly how you take your morning coffee. Knowing where to get news you can rely on is just as simple. Listen to Morning Edition from NPR News every weekday. From 6 to 8 a.m. here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Island. You can also listen on demand via the WTJX app, available for download from the App Store in Google Play. So I spent the past year trying to figure out what news design for 21st century humans might look like. One of the things that really stuck with me was that we now know that humans actually need hope to get up in the morning. And I don't think as a journalist, I ever thought about it that way. 
We're always looking for new and better ways to understand the world we live in. That's On Point with me, Meghna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands.